you are listening to the Practice Growth Podcast with Sean Terrell. Welcome to the Practice Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Terrell, and very excited about this week's discussion and our guest, Dr. Chad Waltz. Dr. Chad is an endodontist at Advanced Endodontics of Tampa Bay, located in Brandon, Florida. Dr. Chad, great to have you on the Practice Growth Podcast, and thanks for making time to share your story. Hey, Sean, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Awesome. So the place that I think is always most helpful to start to give the audience just a little bit of context is just short of, sort of with your background. And could you share to begin a little bit about how you reached this current point of your career? Sure. So I was born and raised in Iowa City, Iowa. Uh, the joke I always make is I did kindergarten through my residency in Iowa City. Wanted to be pretty much a race car driver my entire life. And then during high school, someone told me that I needed to pick a real career and started investigating dentistry um, and found that it was something that I was interested because in I like talking with people. I always enjoyed the science backgrounds uh, and then being able to help people out as well was something that sounded like a career I'd want to be in. And not only that, there's also the kind of the free time that a dentist has more so than maybe an MD would have. That drove me a little more towards dentistry in general. And then coming to Florida, that was my wife, 100%. So she's <laughs> from Delray Beach, Florida, originally, which is on the southeast coast. Uh, Tampa, of course, is on the west coast. But she wanted to be closer to family. And she had come to Iowa to play soccer for the Hawkeyes. So after a good decade in Iowa, she said, I'm ready to go back home. And I said, all right, let's do it. Let's pick a spot. And then the interview started, and I landed in Florida. I guess there's worse places for your wife to take you. Florida is not a bad place to be, especially uh, anyone that's uh, lived through winters in Iowa. So, but that is interesting in that you grew up in Iowa City and you did 10 total years between undergrad and then dental school and then uh, two-year residency in endodontics. What was the transition like personally, having lived in Iowa your whole life to, to now being in a different state? Uh, it, it was definitely different. I mean, the I kind of equate like Tampa or the West Coast of Florida a little more Midwestern-ish, uh, whereas I feel like the Southeast Coast of Florida is a little more Northeastern. Uh, but now my biggest complaint is the heat down here. I mean, it's no more cold, <laughs> but I always still get a kick out of patients or people I meet saying, oh, it's so cold down here. It's 52 degrees. And I'm like, this is so great <laughs> <laughs> because I'm used to the negative 15 and snow or sleet. So to me, it, it's, it's been good. Tampa is obviously a lot bigger than Iowa City, um, so now you got to deal with the fun city traffic. But it's all a pretty good trade-off. We we live pretty close to the water, um, so I can we can go do that. The beaches here are wonderful. Uh, it's just there's a lot more to do, but there are times I miss kind of the small town Iowa City feel, uh, which is to me Iowa City is a pretty special place. It's a uh, it's a good place to grow up for sure. But the transition to Florida has been good. The decision to specialize, could you talk us through sort of how you came to the realization that you wanted to be more than just a general dentist, if that's a fair way to say it, and go into a specific dental specialty? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, so I went into dental school wanting or kind of knowing I wanted to specialize, which again, as I've been told, that's, that's not a great way to start in dentistry, just in case you don't make a specialty. Uh, but I went in wanting to be an orthodontist because I had really crooked teeth growing up and went through braces and had come to find out how much of a difference it makes you feel in terms of self-confidence when you have a nice smile. 
but then also being able to give that gift to other people as well. So I thought ortho was going to be for me. Um, my goal in dental school was just to keep my grades as high as possible so I could pick and choose where I want to specialize. And then I did a little summer externship in ortho and realized very quickly that I was not wanting to be an orthodontist because it just was not something I was very interested in after doing that. Um, endo first came about when I was a junior in dental, or not even dental school, junior in undergrad. Uh, I got a tour of the dental school just to kind of see what it was all about. And the girl giving me the tour, when I asked her what her favorite thing to do was, and she said root canals, I thought that was just crazy and sadistic because that's all I'd ever heard about root canals. And I didn't even know what an endodontist was before I started dental school. And I just couldn't get over like how someone would want to do that all the time. And then I had some really good experiences in the endo clinic where I could help patients get out of pain. Uh, I enjoyed reading about endodontics. I liked the kind of mechanical side of it. So I started focusing more towards endo. Uh, and lo and behold, applied and got in. And it's, it's something I'm really glad I did. A couple follow-ups there with orthodontics. What was it that you realized you didn't enjoy about that when you had a little so, bit of experience with it in yeah, more detail? That's, that's a fair question for sure. Um, what I didn't really love about ortho for me, it's, I like being more hands-on. Ortho is a very kind of a mental game where you're just making treatment plans and usually the assistants putting the brackets on or putting the braces on. Um, and maybe it sounds bad, but I, I like doing the drilling of dentistry and kind of mechanical stuff that you have to do. I knew if I did ortho, there's going to be none of that. Interesting. And no, I don't think it sounds bad at all. There's, you know, people enjoy different aspects of dentistry. And it's, it's, it's interesting that it's probably good that you got to try a couple different things and feel out what was uh, best or what you were, what you were most uh, drawn to. We were chatting a little bit about just kind of your story before we hit record. And you mentioned that being able to focus on only one thing is actually very appealing to you. Could you share a little bit more about how you think about that? Yeah. So the reason, again, I wanted to specialize, like you just said, is I, I really want to be able to focus on one thing and be kind of exceptional at one specific part of dentistry. Um, I mean, as I mentioned earlier, the the general dentists, I think, have it the hardest. I, I mean, again, hats off to those guys where they've got to be good at everything. Um, or even if they decide to specialize or kind of just hone their practice to a couple areas of dentistry, they've got to juggle a lot of stuff and they have to be good at it. Uh, so to me, if I could really focus everything I have all on one spot of dentistry and it's become very good at that one specialty... Me personally, it's just a little more fulfilling uh, and I wouldn't have, I think, the anxiety of having to be good at everything. Mm -hmm. uh, but endo, um, endo, again, it's a very kind of serial process. They're all similar. Like once you start a case and actually get going, it's pretty similar each time. Difference in teeth or patients. Usually it's the patient that has the tooth attached to them that makes the big difference. But um it's kind of a thing you do over and over and over again. So you get good at your kind of setup and good at your kind of regiment. You mentioned that it's not always well advised to, or people are not well advised to focus on one specific specialty early on in dental school or even before they start. How did you think about that? Because you knew you wanted to specialize, but 
is the biggest thing that you can control with that just having the best grades possible or maybe expand for any dental students that might be listening um, that might want to specialize what they should do or what are the best things they can do to get their ducks in a row, if you will? Yeah, no, that, that's that's great. Um, I Again, I think grades is a big proponent to that. Um, because when you're trying to apply to different specialties, it'll help you stand out. It's not the only thing. Uh, but if you have a great GPA, I mean, that's one thing cross off the list that, you know, like, Hey, this is great. My GPA is good. That's not one thing they're going to dock me for. Um, if you were to do some volunteering, that'd be good as well. I know a lot of my classmates did research. I didn't do much research at all, uh, which I kind of lucked out in that regard, (laughs) how I got in. But, um, I think really just getting a taste for everything in dentistry. Iowa was really good about giving the students kind of running them through each specialty and making you do everything. Uh, and you'll find out shortly kind of how or what you like and what you don't. Uh, but I mean, my, I, the only reason I'd say don't go into dental school and try to just be a specialist only is again, if it doesn't work out, you have to like dentistry in general also. You can still be a general dentist and just focus on certain things and maybe apply later too to a specialty if you decide that that's what you really want to do. Uh, but yeah, having the grades up, get active, be involved in dental school, kind of get your name out there, um, do research that can help. And then volunteering, just doing stuff like that's going to really help you, I think, succeed if you do decide to specialize. And if you don't, then hey, then you got good grades. You're going to be an amazing general dentist. So. That kind of leads us to my follow-up question there. What was your backup plan? Backup plan. Um, I had looked at specializing in prosthodontics and that was something I really liked kind of going more towards, like I said, with ortho where you could really change someone's life based on kind of their physical appearance with a more aesthetic smile. Uh, I saw all the, a prosthodontic residence in the lab till like two o'clock in the morning and thought like, maybe this is not for me. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, if, if I didn't get into endo is really going to be me doing a, a GPR or some kind of AEGD and do more dentistry, hone what I like more and probably be more focused on endodontics and then reapply for endo after that. So okay. one, once I kind of set myself an endo is going to be me just trying to get in somewhere. It was just a matter of which school and the timing, but uh, you were going to play out that string until you found a fit or a match. Exactly, exactly. Oral surgery, I liked a lot as well. And Again, big props to oral surgeons for going through a lot more school after dental school. Um, but I, I think endo just kept calling me constantly, and that's what I wanted to do. So this is a frequent question I'm sure you get. It's sort of like the weatherman getting made fun of for the forecast not being right. But, you know, (laughs) an idiom out there that people use in anything in life that seems unpleasant at the outset or from a distance is it's like getting a root canal done. How do you, (laughs) how tired are you hearing that expression? And I guess uh, I'm sure you've come up with some some snappy answers to to respond uh, if and when that kind of pops up. Right, right, right. Well, I mean, the one... One response I've always heard from one of my endodontist buddies when a patient walks or when he walks in to see a patient, they say, Hey, how you doing? My name's so and so. I don't like the dentists. And they'll say, Hey, I'm Dr. So and so. I don't like patients. <laughs> Jokingly. But <laughs> um, that's kind of one of the things of endo that's fun for me, where the patient comes in, of course, they've been told the root canal's super painful. They're very scared. Usually they've been in a lot of pain for a while. They haven't slept well. 
Um, so when they're seeing me, and, and, well, and the last point on that is it's expensive. So if there's all these things kind of going against me as the provider right off the bat. And if you can kind of calm the patient down, get them comfortable, get the procedure done. And then I usually always ask the patient, so how'd you do? Uh, and it's pretty fun to watch them smile and kind of almost laugh because they were so terrified before. And sometimes they'll fall asleep and I have to wake them up and say, hey, you're done. Um, and that, that's pretty fulfilling. So I really enjoy that. And that's one thing in endodontics that, to me, makes a really big difference kind of in how you feel about your life. I don't want to get too philosophical. <laughs> sure. Uh, but that's, that's been something that's fun. Now, now, that being said, I mean, come the end of the week, when I'm ready for the weekend, my empathy tank is running low. <laughs> after having to deal with that over and over and over every day for the whole week. But it's it's still really good to do stuff like that and really help people out. And it's there's nothing better than a patient getting them nice and numb and comfortable and then telling you, like, I haven't felt this good in days. Uh, so it's it's good. So, so don't bump into you down in Florida uh, in a Publix on a, on a Friday night or a Saturday morning? <laughs> no, 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 no. Not, not like that. But it's just... it's. I mean, even general dentists, they all know what's going on. Any specialty can tell you like it's, it can be draining being a dentist and it's, sure. it's tough because you're almost a psychologist and a dentist at the same time. Um, and it's, it's not only the patients, but you got the staff to deal with and kind of work with them and your other coworkers. And then you got to go home and you got another person to be around, hopefully if you have that or not. But, um, and it can it can be a lot sometimes, but it's again you're rewarded very well for what you do, and you're able to help a lot of people out and really change a big part of their life. I mean, my thing is I I tell patients as well as I want this to be a small blip in your life, not something you remember forever, meaning that it's going to go very well, mm-hmm. um, and that you just move on. And I get you back to being you. And to, to kind of circle back to people coming in with the expectation that it's going to be very painful and very expensive and a few of the other things that you mentioned, I would think the bar is pretty low in terms of what people's expectations about the entire experience are. So looking at it in a reverse way, you know, if you can make the experience even incrementally better for the patient, that's a probably a win in their mind. Oh, definitely. No, I, I definitely agree. I mean, sometimes, again, they're sometimes they'll walk into a room and you can tell a patient is just like teetering on the edge and you just got to pull them back a little bit, <laughs> calm them down and get them comfortable. And they kind of find out that you're a real person, not just kind of a robot doctor. Um, and it's, it's pretty fun to see the patient kind of open up and get calm and comfortable. And now that doesn't work every time, but it's, uh, yeah, it, it's fun to kind of have the bar set low or maybe even have some patients with the expectation that this is going to be the worst thing ever and they get done and think that's it. Uh, and I say, yeah, tell your friends. So <laughs> it's pretty cool. Uh, and how do patients find you? Is it mostly referrals from general dentists? Uh, yeah, it, it, Google has helped a lot. Sometimes patients will come in and I uh, will ask them, like, how'd you find me? And they'll say, oh, well, I just read your profile and read the reviews and decided I'd come here from my root canal and they're maybe from out of state or somewhere. Um, but the majority, yeah, I would say it's general dentist referring to us. Okay. And so they've been diagnosed somewhere that they do need a root canal or I guess, uh, is there any middle step that can get skipped with that without a general dentist? Uh, um, I mean, usually we're kind of a specialty that deals with pain. Uh, so if they come in and just say, I'm having some 
terrible pain in my jaw or wherever it will be kind of in the head and neck, you got to diagnose it and triage it as an endodontist. But um, the general dentist, I mean, there's some that literally would just write a referral and say right side pain and you got to figure it out. Mm. Uh, and then there's others that will diagnose for you and say tooth number 14 RCT um, or just please evaluate for root canal. So it, it varies quite a bit. Yeah, it sounds like a pretty big spectrum in terms of uh, how much diagnosis might be uh, required on, on your end before you actually treat. How do you think about building relationships with general dentists that are going to refer, refer to you or that you hope will consider you for the work? Yeah, I, I think it's pretty fun, actually. I mean, I, I enjoy kind of interacting. I, I like the almost like residency mindset where you've got your colleagues with you and maybe Joe's a general dentist is working on this case and needs your help on something. So you'll do him a favor and get the patient in right away so he can continue on with the treatment plan. Or um, I like them being able to call me at any time. That's one thing we're really good at at this practice is if they call, you break away from the patient. It may take five minutes, uh, but you don't have them say like, oh, I'll call them back later because they've already broken away from their treatment. They're taking the time to call you. Uh, so you need to make time for them every time. Does that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, no, that's interesting that like if if you don't take their call when they call, it's going to turn into uh, the phone tag or the email tag that uh, is exhausting. Right. <laughs> Part of everyone's I mean, world at this stage of the game. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I mean, the, the thing I think that I've learned as an endodontist, um, again, I've only practiced for about five years now, but it's just being available and being there when they need you. Um, I mean, sometimes that means they're going to call over an emergency patient at 4.55 and that patient's 30 minutes away. Uh, so that means you're staying late. But it's just being there when they need you, doing what they need you to do, um, and just taking care of their patients. It, one thing I think with private practices showed me is the, the dentist is really the customer. The patient's the patient. Mm. Um, you're always going to take care of them, treat them well. But the customer as an endodontist is really your general dentist referring to you. So you want to keep them happy as well. And that's something that I didn't really realize. I think until I got into private practice, but just something I've learned along the way. Five years in, is that one of the big takeaways? And what are a few others that if any are top of mind? Me, I got to, well, takeaways, I got to work out and be, keep my stress level down. If I don't, I feel like, again, the empathy tank starts getting lower quickly. Um, and maybe your ability to deal with stress has decreased as well. Um, the other thing is, I mean, you got to take some time off every now and again and kind of reset. Those are my kind of big takeaways at this point in time. So you have decided, or at least we don't have to get into the details, but you're an associate. And I know for some people, there's an attraction to ownership, but you have sort of decided at least at this point in your career that just the simplicity of being an associate is most attractive to you. Could you share a little bit more on how you've thought about that so far? Sure. Yeah. Um, again, ownership, it's ownership would be definitely the more lucrative side. There's no question about it. Um, right now I'm pretty happy with how I'm doing financially. Um, and the nice thing about being the associate, as we talked about a little earlier is that I don't have really the worry once I leave the office, it's just, I'm kind of done. Um, I can go at home, relax, hang out, do whatever, um, do other hobbies. And I'm not constantly having to worry about, is this staff person going to show up? Are these supplies low? What's going on with this dentist who's unhappy? Or who are we going to market to next? You know, I, 
I try to help out as an associate, but I really don't have the responsibility of worrying about meeting the bottom line, which has been kind of nice. Um, and maybe I'm getting a little more too comfortable with that, but, <laughs> but I think in the, in the future, ownership is still something that I would want to do. Um, it, it does give you a little more autonomy. There's no doubt about that as well. But being an associate, it's, it's really not bad. It just depends on kind of where you're at in your life and what you want from it. And me right now, I just I'm enjoying the free time I have when I have it. Which leads us to kind of what I want to hit it, hit the at the end of this is just you sort of talked about at the beginning of our interview how you know you you had some hobbies outside of dentistry obviously or you were I think you literally said that you wanted to be a race car driver when you grew up and that you viewed dentistry and specializing in dentistry as maybe a, a means to an end to at least pursue that hobby on a different level other than just actually going and driving NASCAR or something on the professional circuit. Could you share a little bit more about some of your passions and your hobbies away from the practice? So I'm a huge car auto enthusiast, motorcycle guy. Um, I've been this way ever since I was about three years old and outside of dentistry. I mean, I'll do stuff with the car communities. I'll do track days in the car. Um, I'm big into going on motorcycle rides in North Carolina, Tennessee. That's something that, my friends and I do every year. It's kind of a, a meetup annual event that people fly in from all over the country to go do with us. And when I say that, it's, it's me and four other guys. It's not some giant giant road trip or anything. <laughs> um, but dentistry, again, it, having the kind of free time. I only work four days a week, which is great. Um, but having the free time to go and do what you want, as well as having the kind of financial flexibility to do so, um, is another thing that's allowed me to keep these hobbies alive or do these passions where I like the motorcycling and the car track driving, um, which there are cheaper hobbies for sure, but that's something that I've really enjoyed forever. Uh, and I, I don't see myself ever letting go of that unless I, for some reason I can't do it all of a sudden. Were you into that while you were in training and while you were in school or was that something that you were passionate about? I guess when beforehand. you were, yeah, before, be, be, before and after. Yeah, no, so I've, I've always been the weirdo dentist that has a motorcycle and I know it's not good for my hands. If I were to have a, <laughs> an off moment, it'd be bad. But, um, to me, it's just, that's part of kind of living your life and yay disability insurance. But, um, I had a bike all through dental school and residency and I, I had actually a co-resident of mine that had a motorcycle as well. We did this like thousand mile trip that we took off at kind of towards our end of residency, um, which is just something that I, I can't give up. I've tried to give it up before and I, every time I keep coming back to it. So how did you square that or how have you squared that? Because you mentioned there's, there's the risk factor too, right? It, it wouldn't take, and you can be as careful as you can be and as well-trained as you can be. And it could be somebody else or some other rider or car that might affect, right. might affect, uh, your livelihood in the future? How have you squared that in your mind? You know, I think the way I've thought about it is there's multiple ways that one could get hurt or you could go pass away from. Um, my thing is just kind of making sure you're doing what you like with the time or what you like with the time you have. I don't, again, I don't want to get into the big philosophics of it, but um, you can, that's been a, <laughs> well, that's, that's been a key proponent. So it, I'll tell you one thing. So one thing that kind of changed my perspective on life in general is um, I had my appendix out. Again, this is not a life and death surgery. 
but it was four, three or four years ago and everything was fine. I felt good. And then one morning woke up, was not feeling good at all. Um, just thought I had some weird side ache and it didn't go away for a day or two. And then I went to urgent care and they said, need to go to the ER immediately. To, to interrupt, is this after the surgery or prior? This is the symptoms prior this to is this? prior. Okay. This is prior to, yeah. Okay, continue. Um, and then, again, pretty much showed up at the ER and they said, all right, you need your appendix out. And I asked them, okay, so when are we doing this? And they said, well, right now. <laughs> I just couldn't believe like all of a sudden the shift from everything's going great. You're having a good time. You're healthy. You can do whatever you want. So all of a sudden you're getting surgery and um, it, it just kind of changed my perspective on like, enjoy things while you can uh, and don't put everything off until I think people do this a lot. Like, well, once I retire, I'll do this or once I, whatever kind of the excuse jumps in and all of a sudden Mm -hmm. they're just waiting and waiting and waiting to do something. And I think even patient care showed me that you need to not wait. If you can do it, go do it. Because I see a lot of patients that come in that are 42 years old and something happened and now they can't, do anything they want to do anymore and that's also kind of opened my eyes to hey there's there's a lot more to this than just practicing Mm -hmm. um so you need to really enjoy your time you have while you have it and we're getting to the good stuff now that we're we're getting near the end of the interview i should (laughs) have started here maybe this should have been the angle is is hobbies outside of of dentistry and and kind of how that can how they fit into the overall philosophy of how to live your life. So, um, but I I agree with your point. You know, I see people all the time that put everything in all their eggs in the retirement basket. And, you know, the, the, the fact of the matter is not everyone has the retirement from a health perspective that they think they're going to have. So, um, and, and maybe just to drill down a, a, a bit deeper on the appendix, was it, was it actually ever very threatening or was it just something as simple as that? Like kind of snapped you into the the mindset of boy, things can change in a hurry, even if it isn't that critical here. Right. No, it wasn't anything super threatening. It's just, you're going to be sedated. You're going under IV sedation. I mean, there's people that don't wake up from that even, but I remember calling my friends Again, me being a, a car junkie, but I drove my car that I like a lot to uh, the hospital. And I'm in the hospital getting prepped. I'm just waiting to go into the OR. And I call my buddy. I'm like, hey, I need you to do me a big favor. I need you to pick my car up because it's at the hospital parking lot. I don't want to get hit. <laughs> that was like the first phone call I made. Um, my wife was out of town, unfortunately, at a wedding. And I, can, of course, called her, told her what was going on. She flew home immediately, which I felt really bad about. Uh, but then I had called the, the guy I worked for as well and said, hey, I'm not going to be able to come into the office. Um, I'm getting my appendix out. And he goes, oh, when are you doing that? And I said, well, in about 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, are you serious? <laughs> so, yeah, again, it, just, it was a big mind shift change and kind of how I look at things, uh, which I think is good. Some people may say, oh, that's kind of living... A FOMO life, but I don't know. I just <laughs> it changed how I thought about things for sure. No, that, that's that's interesting. That's that's a really uh, interesting story about kind of just you recognizing yeah, there's some inherent risk in the hobbies that I really enjoy with me being able to afford the lifestyle that I've built around being an endodontist, but I understand what the risks are. There's risks everywhere and I can accept the consequences in lieu of living a life of regret or never really do anything that I really love doing. Exactly. 
Well, hey, this has been a lot of fun, Dr. Chad. Really appreciate you making time uh, to share your story and a little bit about uh, the background and kind of how you got to this point in your career. Um, for people that are interested in learning a little bit more or would potentially like to uh, connect with you, what's the best way to do that? Honestly, probably my email. Uh, the email is going to be cmwaltz.dds at gmail.com. Um, you can also reach out on our website where I work at right now. It's uh, aeftv.com or Advanced Endodontics of Tampa Bay. Uh, but yeah, feel free to reach out. I'm happy to answer any questions. Um, <laughs> hopefully you want endodontic related questions, but <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Hopefully it's not motorcycle riding or whatever, but yeah, anything, could, go ahead and reach out. Could be gearheads coming at you now, right? It could. We'll see. <laughs> Hopefully I made this fun for you, Sean. So, No, it was a lot of fun. Really enjoyed it. And thanks again for your time. That's Dr. Chad Waltz of Advanced Endodontics of Tampa Bay in Brandon, Florida. Really enjoyed the conversation. And thanks again for sharing your perspective and being a guest on the Practice Growth Podcast. Thanks for having me, Sean. Terrell Advisors LLC is a registered investment advisor. The information presented should not be interpreted or construed as investment, legal, tax, financial planning, or wealth management advice. It does not substitute for personalized investment or financial planning from Terrell Advisors, LLC. This podcast conveys the views and opinions of Sean Terrell, and the information herein should not be considered a solicitation to engage in a particular investment or financial planning strategy. Information presented is for educational purposes only, and past performance is not indicative of future results.